coming to you from the heart of the Pacific Northwest, with mouths as big as the Columbia River, egos as tall as Mount Rainier, smooth as the drive from Vancouver, B.C. to Portland, Oregon. It's the Northwest Convergence Zone. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Northwest Convergence Zone show. Good to be here with you. Hope you made it through Valentine's Day unscathed and not in the doghouse, unlike some here on our program. Uh, happy uh, President's Day to everybody. If you're listening to this before and then afterwards, I hope you bought everything you needed. <laughs> so, Big D here with you. And uh, as always, we welcome you to the Northwest Convergence Zone show. And Big Joe is on the phone. Big Joe, how's it going? Hey, it's going great. I will have to give greetings and salutations to all the folks in the city of Destiny from north of the border, the great white north of Vancouver, B.C. Yes, he's uh, Big Joe is our Olympic uh, uh, check-in guy. That's right. I was lucky enough my wife's family. She has Canadians in her family. So we got to uh, borrow a place up there, and uh, we got a ticket to some of the prime events, the uh, snowball fights. Yeah, fantastic. <laughs> and, we hope uh, you. Uh, we hope you take gold. Yes, uh, the Afghans were against the Pakistanis, and uh, <laughs> that was quite the contest. And uh, so we're we've been very fortunate. There's been lots of guys. Uh, wearing eye makeup and jumping around and spinning in circles and that's just on the streets so <laughs> did you see the big uh the the torch come into the arena was that the biggest looking joint you've ever seen yeah that was great and the great one gretzky only canada can run around the country with a big torch that looks like a doobie on fire <laughs> right. maybe uh maybe they can uh, if they ever have the summer games in jamaica they can uh, grab a clue from that i know there were some people trying to get a light off that thing oh man uh, the trail of smoke had like about 50 people running behind it just hoping yeah. <laughs> anyway uh joe good to have you there and i hope you don't freeze uh, up there in canada i heard it's a little bit balmy and rainy like we have they've been oh. Trucking, trucking snow in from like yeah. eight miles away. Yeah, they're they're making it out of ice cubes or something. <laughs> All right, well, Double D, how's it going, my man? It's a pleasure being here. I just don't know if I can do it without Big Joe. No, we could not do anything without Big Joe. And speaking of doing without, we couldn't do without Wonder Boy and Squeeze over there uh, running all the sound and the electronics and the shenanigans that they do back there. It'd make us sound, well, as good as we sound. <laughs> as good as it gets. That's right. Well, so for those of you who tuned in last week and heard the Valentine's Day show, we appreciate that. And thanks for the uh, emails and stuff. And, uh, man, starting this week, we have some big shows coming up and lots of uh, great guests and so forth. But on today's show, we're going to start off with a local legend. This is uh, somebody who is well known around town, around uh, T-Town and all over the South Sound, I would imagine. He is uh, quite a man about uh, the art scene. He is an artist, he's an actor, he's also an author, and I believe he even wrote for the uh, Weekly Volcano back in the day. His name is Teddy Haggerty, and he uh, had a lot of things to tell us, don't you think, guys? Yeah, oh, was... yeah, he is. Uh, he falls into the category of probably one of the most interesting people you uh, do not know, but that... you're going to get to know him now. You're going to get to know him now. He's a true Renaissance man. Here is our conversation with the one and only Mr. Teddy Haggerty. <laughs> 
All right, everybody, we're in the studio today with uh, man, quite an interesting guy. Very and interesting. And we met him out at uh, the Swiss the a uh, couple of weeks ago. A friend of Mike O'Neill introduced, introduced us to him, and I have to admit, I, I really didn't know much about our next guest, but the more I delve into him, he's a fascinating character, and I can't believe he's right here in Tacoma. And, of course, his name is Teddy Haggerty. He is a man about town. He's a renaissance man. Definitely. He's an artist. He's an actor. He is uh, into uh, music. And, I mean, is there, is, I don't know if there's anything this guy doesn't do that, that isn't artistic. And, Teddy, welcome to the program, man. It's good to have you on. Thanks. It's great to be here. I like this studio. There's a, I feel a heavy Texas influence here. <laughs> <laughs> the eyes of Texas yeah, are upon you. We get that a little bit. <laughs> we are the Northwest Convergence Zone, but we do have the Texas influence in the uh, the cave studio. So, uh, so Teddy, um, let's start off with, uh, you know, a lot of people may think, man, I've heard this name, but they're not quite sure where and, and how. And, and as, we, as we go through all the things that Teddy's done, you're, you're going to be amazed. Let's go back to the beginning and uh, tell us a little bit about uh, where you grew up. I understand you were an Air Force uh, brat. Brat, there you go. I didn't want <laughs> to label you with that. but It's a term of honor. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. tell us about traveling around uh, with your dad in the Air Force, landing in Tacoma, and how that all worked out. Well, uh, I was born at George Air Force Base in San Bernardino County in Victorville, California. Shortly thereafter, uh, my mom was a lieutenant in the Army. My dad was, uh, at that time, a captain in the Air Force. He was a flyboy or fighter pilot. Then we went to Montana, Great Falls, Montana. Then to Colorado Springs, Colorado. These are all military installations. Then to Newburgh, New York, Stewart Air Force Base. Uh, then we were transferred... In uh, 1969, I was there. I was at Woodstock. You, you may uh, recognize me from the scene on Sunday. I'm just standing there. <laughs> I had my dad's uh, World War II uh, uh, leather flight jacket on. So you were you were at the Woodstock event. Yeah, I was there Friday, and were you, You're in the Sunday. film? Yes, I am. I'm in the film. I really? saw this guy coming up the hill, and uh, it's a split-screen scene. I wonder, man, what's that thing on his back? You know, I'm just kind of looking, and it's coming right at me. Well, I was the camera guy, and it was a big old camera on his shoulder. And when I saw the movie here in Tacoma, because uh, my dad was transferred to McCord Air Force Base, it was 1970. I was in uh, uh, my junior year of high school, and there I was. So I, what do you remember about the uh, the Woodstock event? Well, I remember uh, mud. <laughs> I remember uh, walking forever, sitting on tops of cars and stuff. Uh, everyone was very friendly. Uh Got to see the Who do Tommy, uh, Janis Joplin performing. Uh, so were you there for the whole event? Or yeah, just the day? I was yeah, there you... from Friday, it was Saturday, and Sunday. I wanted to see Jimi Hendrix really, really bad, but Jimi didn't play until Monday morning, bright and early. Right. And the Saturday show was pretty incredible. Uh, I recall Creedence Clearwater playing, then Mountain. How that old are you at this time? Fifteen. Wow. Fifteen at wow. yeah, I was with about six of my friends. Yeah. And uh, Dad, know you're there. Yeah, was that <laughs> at 15? Was that your first concert? Uh, no, I'd seen the the Beach Boys uh, at West Point, and uh, I'd seen Sly and the Family Stone at Newburgh Free Academy, which is a big high school in Newburgh, New York, and a few other bands. So you'd had a few concerts under your belt. You were somewhat ready for it. Yeah, I was, and I really <laughs> wanted to see Jimi Hendrix. Did you get bad. to see him? No. Didn't get to see I, him. I was freezing cold on, on Sunday evening, 
It started to get dark. Uh, everyone was leaving. The last of our group was leaving, so I just took my sopping wet sleeping bag and uh, headed headed to hitchhike back home. So after uh, after that, you guys land in Tacoma. Yeah. And uh, how old are you at that point? 16? Uh, 16. 16, uh, halfway through my junior year of high school. And where, you, where do you go to school then? Clover Park High School. Okay. Clover Park. Clover Warriors. Clover Park, yes. My mom graduated from Clover Park. All right. I'm class of 71. Oh, uh, she's way earlier than that, but <laughs> yeah, but it's out there. So um, so you go to, you're going to Clover Park, um, you're here, and now you guys end up staying here for the most part. Yeah. Well, we ha- we've had the same apartment in Los Angeles for about 20 years. And we just sublet it out. Right. And whenever I get a movie down there, I, I go stay in the apartment. That's but with your family, when they moved here, yeah. uh, that was finally like their resting spot. Yes. And you went, you finished high school, and then you go to Evergreen? Evergreen State College. Yeah, and uh, and uh, pretty interesting class that you graduated with. Who was in that class? Well, Matt Grinning uh, was in the first graduating class. And the same time I was going down there, a guy uh, who goes by the name of, uh, his name's Richard, but it, uh, I ran into him in New York City, uh, Kramer. <laughs> yeah. Kramer went to, yeah, went to Evergreen? Yeah, and I asked him, I said, hey, you know, I, I, I've i always heard you went to, but I, I saw everyone there. And he goes, no, I did. I, you know, And he went there the same time I did. And, of course, Matt Groening, the creator of The Simpsons. Yeah. And uh, Life in Hell and uh, Futurama. And, I mean, that guy, you know, he's everybody knows Groening. Right. And you were the first graduating class, the first yeah. gooey duck. Yep, we class of seventy five. <laughs> <laughs> Who came up with the name the Gooey Ducks? I th- I don't know. We, was, it must was have been before us. you got there. Or no, no, that there was, was nothing guys. before I got there. Right? Yeah, it had to be us. So, how did you end up going there when this was uh, basically a non-existent school until you guys showed up? Well, it was th- between there or Fairhaven, which was like a kind of a Reed College of the Northwest. Okay, I, I was interested in a little more offbeat college yeah and i was accepted to fairhaven up at bellingham mm-hmm. and then to evergreen state college i was in the top 100 accepted there and so i decided hot dog i'm going to evergreen state college wow first graduating class that's pretty amazing you ever go back for any kind of reunions or anything no but uh we went down there with uh, don wilson and uh the whalers mm-hmm. and we did a radio interview on their uh, chaos, chaos radio station yeah. And they they played a lot of music, and uh, they autographed a bunch of albums for everybody, the collectors, and uh, did a real good show down there. Excellent. Well, uh, one of the things that, uh, as a result of... You know, growing up and 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 going this uh, this route is that you become quite an accomplished artist. Oh, and well, well another thing on, on Evergreen State College, I I was down there visiting after I graduated, and I went to an art show, a student art show. And there was uh, these paintings that I liked, and I wanted to buy them. And uh, they said, "Well, that's Linda Berry's work," and they you can find her upstairs. Well, I went and I found her. And I said I wanted to buy two of her paintings. She goes. I never thought I'd ever sell anything. <laughs> you really do? You really do? I go, yeah, you're good. You're really good. Just keep 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 at it. Uh-huh. Well, of course, uh, she would always try to get me to buy. I bought several from her over the years, and she'd always try to get me to buy Matt's paintings or, or drawings because mm-hmm. you know, they're good friends. Matt refers to her as the funk queen of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> so. Never did buy a Matt Graining, though. No. No, I never, never did. I have, a, you know, I've got a... A drawing that he did for me of uh, the rabbit, yeah. Binky. Right. And uh, 
So, well, let's talk about your art because um, your art is all around Tacoma, and you've also uh, gone down and painted some at uh, the Bob's Java Jive. Yeah, and you have some hanging still, still hanging at Jazz Bones. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, all the interior I did at Jazz Bones, and yeah. there's Jazz Bones too, which is four times bigger than uh, this one here in Tacoma. That's up in Oak Harbor, Whidbey Island. Okay. And it's Jazz Bones number two, and it took me 21 days to paint that. It's, it's similar. So to, for those of you who don't aren't familiar with Teddy's artwork, you can go to his MySpace page. That's Teddy Haggerty at MySpace, and he has some of them shown there. And then uh, you also have a um, uh, a website. It's if you just Google up Teddy Haggerty art, it'll take you to several websites that display you know some of his paintings. And uh, the thing I noticed that's uh, one thing that's interesting about your artwork is uh, there's seems to be a bit of a New Orleans influence. Well, there is. That's I lived there for four and a half years. Uh, I was working on a movie called uh, what was it called? Heaven's Prisoners, living right on Bourbon Street while we were filming that. <laughs> and I picked up. That sort of that groove. It's sort of outsider art. Mm-hmm. And then uh, my favorite author, Charles Bukowski, lived there for a while, and I met uh, his publisher and hung out with her, uh, Gypsy Lou Webb of John Webb and Gypsy Lou Webb, and they published uh, two of his most beautiful books, mm-hmm. Crucifix and a Death Hand, and It Catches My Heart in Its Hands. Uh, and got to talk to her about Bukowski and hanging out with Bukowski and stuff, and that must have been quite an experience. Oh, yeah. So you got the New Orleans vibe, and then it, it's found its way into uh, your paintings. And I, I'm just I'm curious, uh, one of the sites that I went to, it actually had uh, a listing of about, I think there were about six paintings, and then they uh, you could buy them. So they have a list price, and then it's a little more if you want it framed or whatever. I'm always curious about this. How do you put a price on your artwork? I don't. I have my brother do it. <laughs> I'm very bad. You know, I feel but guilty. Is it, is it kind of like, um, is, is it like a house where you, you, you set it at a certain price, and then if you get takers, like a lot of takers, you maybe jack it up a little bit? If or I, if it's nobody's buying, you bring it down? How, how does no, that if work? If I really don't want to sell it, I put an astronomical price on it. <laughs> no one can afford it. <laughs> and other than that, I don't care, actually. So I just let my brother do it. What right? about uh, negotiating on someone who wants to commission you to do something for them? I let my brother do that, too. That too. See what okay. a big chicken I am? Yeah, well, we need to talk to him. <laughs> That's probably we, the way I do We need it. a Haggerty original right here in the case. Yes, we right do. Right yeah. over us. So. Yeah. Well, uh, tell us who the single, this is a, an amazing fact right here, the single largest holder of Haggerty Originals as a private owner, who would that be? Uh, that would be the actor Alec Baldwin. <laughs> yes. I mean, that's amazing. Guy from 30 Rock and... Uh, Jack Donaghy. <laughs> yeah, lots of different, you know, all kind of movies just in uh, It's Complicated. Yes. And uh, so, but you had, is it true you had no formal training or did you take some lessons at some point or how, how, well, did, this, you know, how did this expression come out? Well, since kindergarten, of course, we have like art classes and I took art classes throughout high school and in college. But if it sounds better, no formal training. That sounds like a nice <laughs> ring to it. So, if it comes between reality and the myth, I, I'd rather go with the myth. So the name of that website I was talking about, it's called Gatlinet. It's G-A-T-L-I. 
N-E-T.com, Gatlinette.com, and you go to Teddy Haggerty's page, and he has several prints here, and they're listed at like 675 framed. There's one for 475. That's the one of Bob's Java Jive. And then if you want it framed, it, it goes higher. Um, how many, do you even have a, a, like a list of how many paintings you've sold? Do you know? No. I, I don't. Do, you, do you still do them quite often? you still work on them all the time? Well, I usually draw every day. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been asked to do a kunga drum for Gary Shellhammer. I've painted a drum for him. There's a club that wants some of my work in it right now. Oh, by the way, I've had some work in Los Angeles at my favorite Thai restaurant called Toy. It's on Sunset Boulevard. It's also uh, Quentin Quarantino hangs out there, and he sits usually in between the two lampshades I did. <laughs> and then I, there's a drum that I did for uh, drummer uh, Andy Morrison of Stripes that's up high on the wall. Mm-hmm. And it's very elaborate with rhinestones and a big bass drum head. Very cool. And that's, that's there. As a matter of fact, last time I was down there, I was working on a movie with Al. Somebody came in and goes, uh, does anybody know who this is who did this artwork on the lampshade? <laughs> and I sit with the owner, and he goes, he's right here. Is this guy. <laughs> well, that's a good segue uh, from your artwork, which is absolutely amazing, and I, I highly recommend everybody check it out. And if you can afford it, buy a piece. <laughs> but you're also an actor. Yes. And, and involved in, in lots of movies and projects. How did that come about? And you've been in the Screen Actors Guild for how, how many years was it? It was to say eight, about 30 years. Yeah, about 30 years, you said. Yeah. So you've been in the Screen Actors Guild for 30 years, which is not an easy thing to do because I lived in L.A. and I, I was on some sets and everything. And so how does a kid who's bounced around in the military with his pops Lands in Tacoma, goes to Evergreen, uh, expresses himself through art, all of a sudden get a SAG card, and you've been on some of the biggest pictures, motion pictures, over the last several years. How, how did that work for you? You're just broke, and you're <laughs> sitting in a, in a restaurant uh, eating some French fries, and someone says, hey, do you want to make, make some cash working on a movie as an extra? I said, yeah, I'll take a shot at it. I was a... Uh, I had stayed in Los Angeles. Uh, I just booked uh, Stripes, a uh, Tacoma band, and then a uh, little voice told me to uh, stay. Uh, I was broke, had no money. I was going to try to make my art work. And uh, in the meantime, I took a job on a uh, HBO show called First and Ten. They made me stand in because it was the same height as the actor. And I kind of enjoyed it. I looked around to see who had the easiest jobs, who had the hardest jobs. <laughs> and I said, "How do you get the How do you get the job? Uh, you know, sitting in the chair, having everyone come and kiss your rear end." <laughs> well, those are the actors. <laughs> that's that's where I need to be. And uh, so I I just asked, "How do you get to do this all the time?" I took notes and I pursued it. And I was did you get an agent, or you, you were you... I got paid eighty dollars. But for... did you get an agent? Did you go? Get... I, I did, but uh, they were always disappointing. The agents, you know, I, yeah. I had to hustle myself. Right. Well, um, name off some of the films, uh, some of the movies, before we get into the TV, name off some of the movies that you've been involved in. Uh, well, a cult classic that a lot of uh, people that like monster films have seen is called Cordell, Maniac Cop. I was on the very first one. I play a uh, New York prison guard. I have a scene with uh, the two main characters of that film. Uh, one guy is a famous... Uh, Oh, write zombie films. He's next. Bruce Campbell. I fr- oh yeah. I frisk him down. Bruce Campbell. And there's a beautiful blonde girl who was in uh, 
All the Marbles. She was a lead in that. Uh, got to know her a bit, which is nice. So I have to frisk both, both of them down, and I direct them to how to get to... Uh, Cordell, maniac cop, who's like a zombie. <laughs> and I give him instructions. And it was funny because one time I was at the Java Jive and uh, overhearing some people they're talking about maniac cop. And I said, hey, I was in that movie. <laughs> they're like, get out of it. Bill here. Lustig directed, yeah. So that's sort of amazing. And you were, you, uh, then you, somehow you connected up with Alec Baldwin and you've been a stand in for him. Forever um, since. Lots ever since. of films. Yeah, most of his big films, yeah. He he requests me and puts me in his contract now and then. Well, name some of those films. Well, we started with Beetlejuice. Yeah. And I didn't Michael even... Michael Keaton. I said, who am I going to stand in for? Well, Michael Keaton only worked six days on Beetlejuice. Everyone really? Was, oh, that was it. Six days. They crammed all his stuff into... Holy smokes. ...into one thing. It was mostly uh, Winona, Ryder, uh, Alec, and uh, ah, the tall brunette. Gina Davis. Gina Davis. Yes. She's very nice. And I said it was Casey Coldwell, who, by the way, was the first assistant director on the It's Complicated movie. Which is the latest movie of Alec Baldwin, which you also worked on. Yes. Yeah, we worked on, we did that in Los Angeles and uh, uh, New York City and the Bronx, studios in the Bronx. Do we see any of you in It's Complicated? No, not not at all, unless they used uh, me driving the the expensive Porsche <laughs> at night, so you mostly just see the car. But, right. <laughs> but if you I, look real close, if you freeze frame it on the DVD. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> may, <laughs> maybe. <the> scan. <laughs> so Beetlejuice, we have Beetlejuice, It's Complicated. Um, what were some Heaven's of the other? Prisoners, The Shadow, I made all the Shadow Shadows. Yeah, The uh, Shadow, great movie. Yeah. Uh, oh, uh, Ghosts of Mississippi, shot that in Mississippi. Yeah. In Los Angeles. Oh, where else? Uh, we shot parts of uh, Beetlejuice in Vermont, East mm-hmm. Corinth, Vermont. Now, where did you guys shoot It's Complicated? It's Complicated was uh, outside of Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. That's the, uh, the character Jane. Jane's house. Her nice little house. Uh, and in New York City. So you get a, so you're sitting at home. You get a call. Is it from Alec himself, or is it from the production company? And they say, "We got a project. Alex on it. We're flying you down." How's that work? Well, I happened to be in Manhattan, and we were interviewing Alec for uh, this documentary that we've been working on about the Ventures and the Fabulous Whalers. And Alec was going to and did record the uh, uh, an introduction to the two bands. And then Alex said, Ted, you know, we've got a movie, a big movie we're doing. I go, oh, oh, when and where? Monday? L.A. I'll see you there. And uh, so Alec told me that. You know, it kind of took me by surprise. So, and then uh, TV-wise, you worked on... uh, Worked on several series. uh, The first series I worked on was called Downtown, and I worked with... uh, Robert England, who was who? Yes, Freddy Krueger. He was doing Freddy Krueger then, you know. Oh yeah, <laughs> he'd always come to. He always had this makeup all over him. Yeah, you know, and he said he was doing this monster movie. <laughs> we went down to Mexico one time. It was like on a Friday night. And he goes, "So what do you know?" I said, "Well, my brother and I are going to go down to Mexico. I'm going with you. Uh, I want. Wait, wait. Just give me this certain type of bowl. I gave me fifty bucks. And he goes, "Oh, wait. I said, I'll just go with you guys." But it was. Uh, we went down there. It was my brother, myself, Robert England, uh, one of the secretaries, and then uh, Mariska Hargitay's uh, stand-in. Oh, yeah. So we went down there just had a lost weekend in, in Mexico. <laughs> Great. And Mariska awesome. was, a, was a regular on that. Yeah. And she's now on one of my favorite shows, uh, Law & Order. 
Yeah, that's Jane Mansfield's daughter. Oh, yes. and the way that stuck with me was Mariska Hargitay. They'd get my name mixed up with Haggerty Hargitay. They'd right. go, "Are you Mickey's son? One of Mickey's sons?" They say, "No, no, it's a different spelling." <laughs> and then I worked on uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's directorial debut. He did to get it in DJ. He was on uh, Tales from the Crypt. Did an episode called The Switch. Mm. I was a main stand-in. And the sound, the video assist. So I'd have to plug, hardwire the uh, camera, record everything for Arnold. And Arnold would go, Teddy, could you play that back for me again, please? <laughs> We're up, Arnold. We're up. Play it, please, Teddy. <laughs> Teddy, play that again back for me, please. <laughs> so I'm talking BS with Arnold. And then I go, Arnold, you know, you played... Uh, Mickey Hargitay in the movie about Jane Mansfield and stuff. You know, I said, I, people always confuse my name with, with that thing, but I worked with Mariska. Oh, is she like her mother? I go, well, she's more thin. More slim. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh, isn't it funny how people think that the, the children are supposed to be grow up to be like their parents? Isn't that so funny? <laughs> now, you also worked on Dr. Quinn, Medicine Woman. Yeah, I was a uh, utility stand-in, and I, had, I got to act once on that film. I... Uh, uh, had a scene with uh, with uh, Jane Seymour and uh, Orson and Bean. Didn't you say uh, Johnny Cash walked on the? Uh, oh yeah, Johnny part? played uh, Sheriff Cole. He did two episodes, and June Carter Cash played his wife uh, in one of the episodes. But I was walking Tiny Town, mm-hmm. I called it, and there was Johnny Cash standing there checking out the set and stuff. And he goes, "Hello, my name's Johnny Cash. What's your name?" <laughs> I said, "Oh, Johnny, I'm Teddy Haggerty." Uh, when you see me around, what I do is I'm a utility stand-in. I stand in for the guest stars or whoever needs standing in for. So I'll probably be standing for. Oh, no, I think my guitar player Dick he he does that standing. I go well. When you see me around, that's what I'm doing. Then a guy, Hawaiian David, a, one of the main grips, comes out and he's from Hawaii, and uh, he, there was a guitar, was just a set guitar, kind of in the saloons uh, set. And uh, the, Johnny and Dave just started talking, and Dave busted into a. Hawaiian song, and, and it's a, uh, about the death of a princess. Johnny goes, always knew there's something very sad about that song, and now I know why. Thank you, David. Thank you very much. Teddy, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got to ask you of uh, all the actors and people that you've met in the entertainment business, who uh, are the salt of the earth, and who are the people that you wish you never crossed paths with? Well, you're not supposed to talk bad about people. <laughs> just talk, <laughs> just good. Just talk I'd say, good. I'd say. Uh, there's maybe only two people I, I would never want to work with, or if I had to work with them, I, you don't even let your shadow fall on them. And that's a rarity. Almost everyone is super nice. Everyone, especially the girls. You know, really? like I've, I've got to work with some of those beautiful women on earth, uh, like Nicole Kidman. Mm-hmm. Uh, been out drinking with uh, Elle McPherson. Wow. You know? Bought me a few glasses of vino. We watched a boxing match. Not bad and company Al. right there. Yeah. Terry Hatcher. Terry. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with Terry. Yeah, she's a buddy of mine. Uh, the uh, girl from uh, Calliope, she was forever, forever on uh, Days of Our Lives, I believe it was. And she's a collector of my artwork, too. I haven't heard from her for a while. For a while. Uh, so who did you enjoy most working with? Of all the people you've met, you thought these were, you know, like, even if you didn't get to hang out with them and so forth, they were just really nice people. Someone maybe you might have been a bit starstruck seeing their name uh, listed, and then you got there, and they were just really nice. Well, I think one of the most fascinating people I worked with was Jonathan Winters, and uh, he likes to stand in for himself, and I was doing the shadow with him, so I'm standing in, and John likes to run his lines. 
But he is so hilarious. You know, he's like <laughs> yes. an idiot savant. That's Robin Williams' influence. And I, oh, yeah. Right. And I was at a party, and I just over in Haley, Idaho. It was for Bruce Willis. Robin just performed his uh, Las Vegas routine at the Liberty Theater. Then there was a party at the Mint Saloon that uh, Bruce owns. And I was invited to that and uh, just look up, and there's Robin, and started BSing with Robin. I'd met him several times before and started talking about how hilarious it was to work with uh, Jonathan Winters. But John would just, you know, he'd just be doing his lines, and then he'd go, hey, you're a Navy boy, aren't you? So, no, 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 Air Force, Air Force, same difference. He'd go off about Bob Hope. Bob Hope. Bob Hope. I don't suit up for the mob. I don't suit up for them. Don Rickles, he suits up. I don't suit up for them. And you don't know what he's joking. He's not. But but people would gather around with John, and then John gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and people are just busting like, God, you're about to wear your pants. You're laughing so hard. That's Jonathan Winters. But, of course, I always, you know, Alex, a friend of mine, I always have a good time hanging out with Al. Yeah. You know, and... Yeah. Well, let's let's segue real quickly into because we run out of time. Let's segue into what you have going on now, and uh, this is a uh, collaboration with your brother. And you guys, uh, like you said earlier, you've worked with uh, some bands and so forth. And we have uh, some great music right here in Tacoma. Some absolute legends that have been together for fifty years. Yeah, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Rock and Roll Hall of Famers, man. The Ventures and the Whalers. And you and your brother run something that's called uh, Two Car Garage. Is that yeah, right? That's the name of this album. That's the name and of this, this album. This is a rock and roll first, historical rock and roll. This is the Ventures and the Whalers performing this classic Louie Louie together. And the website is www.twocargaragemusic.com. And I highly recommend it. In fact, on the main page, there is a, uh, a video clip where they have, like, it's Alec Baldwin, Billy Bob Thornton. Um, Charles Cross, Agent lots, Orange guy. Yeah, the, lots of big names uh, talking about you know the, the Whalers and the Ventures and how they've influenced music and how they've influenced uh, this area. And before gr- grunge and before any of the stuff that came out of here, there was this garage rock, which was right started right here in Tacoma. Now, how did you? How did you and your brother uh, quickly? Hook up with the Ventures and the Whalers and get this CD out, and, and how's that working for you guys? Well, Woodworked actually began working with the Whalers like about 30 years ago. One of our bands, we had one of our bands and the Whalers perform at uh, Old Elks Club downtown Tacoma, which the McMinimum Brothers have uh, just bought, and they're restoring it, which is very, very good for us here in Tacoma. Yes. So, and then the Whalers, I did a... Uh, Cadillac to Mexico CD cover for them. I painted a Cadillac for them with that theme on it. Did the poster for uh, a Louis Fest that took place at uh, the Tacoma Dome. And they were talking to my brother about some 50th anniversary idea. And the Ventures, uh, the way they started, they were listening to the Whalers' first album. That was before, That's how Don learned how to play guitar. And so my brother... Uh, and I know Tim Wilson, Don's son, who does the Wilson Guitars Company, Wilson Brothers Guitars. And uh, we're talking with Leonard was talking with Don about this project uh, that the two bands recorded together. And since they were the first reference to garage rock music, was them. 
Mm-hmm. And so Two Car Garage was great the name. concept. No, it's a great name. It's a great album. Uh, you brought a copy in, and that's going to be on heavy rotation in my household. And, Fantastic. Uh, yeah, I, I recommend everybody pick up the CD. I mean, this is this is Washington music history rolled into one CD. And it's called Two Car Garage. It's the Ventures and the Fabulous Whalers, 50 Years of Rock and Roll. And the website, www.twocargaragemusic.com. And that's T W O Car. Yeah, T W O, not just not the number two, T W O. Uh, also, uh, real quick before I let you go, tell us a little bit about your uh, cigar ventures. You guys have a cigar. Well, my brother's had a. Uh one of the largest cigar accessory companies in North America started 16 years ago. We're the first uh, company to have activation solution in the United States, the second company in the world. Uh, we're in over 4,000 stores with 300 products, anything from a, a cutter to a customized uh, cigar clipper, humidor any size, a walk-in humidor to uh, just a, a little And that's based here in Tacoma? It's based in Parkland, Parkland which yeah. is uh, unincorporated Tacoma. Sure. In a little farmhouse out there. Well, wow, man. Well, we're big cigar smokers here. In fact, yes. uh, Joe and I just rolled in from Vancouver where we uh, got to go to some good cigar shops up there. And uh, right. we may have to come out and check out your warehouse. Right. And we better just leave it there and not yes. get too uh, in-depth about what we did up but, there. But, man, Teddy, I feel like we've just scratched the surface with you. And uh, we got to have you back in sometime and, and you can tell us some more of your great tales. Well, you know, I, I started out with nothing and I got a lot of it left. <laughs> we can relate to that yeah we can relate to that but uh folks teddy haggerty and uh google up teddy haggerty art go to and check out his artwork uh, he's also on imdb.com which has a list of all of his movies and a lot of the tv shows that he's done right uh you've also worked on some local independent film projects we had the donkey punch films and uh third eye films in here and you've worked with those guys and then also the uh www.twocargaragemusic.com and that's the ventures in the whalers teddy yeah. and we'll be adding eric we got a, a thing with eric clapton and jimmy page saying the only reason they play guitar is because the ventures that's wow great. that's yeah. amazing well i feel we've just uh, scratched the surface with uh talking to teddy today so i hope we can maybe get you back in here and go other directions and and talk to you again yeah. oh you bet yeah I forget. Oh, another thing. Someone was like looking for something about me on on thing. My earliest writings are now in the hands of book dealers, rare book dealers, and uh, things I even forgot about. They're like 160 bucks. Of course, I don't see a dime of that money. Right, but you do nice have some published uh, some published uh, yeah. writings, isn't that correct? Yeah, yeah. And, uh, yeah. So I mean, the true Renaissance guy, writer, actor, uh, painter. And uh, now he's in music. He's in. The, he's been in the music uh, business. I mean, the guy knows everybody. He's a man. Like I say, a rena- true Renaissance man, man about town. Teddy Haggerty, thanks so much for being here. Oh, you're welcome. My pleasure. This is great. All right. So Teddy Haggerty, what a guy. We hope to have him back in the studio sometime and uh, get to know him more. I mean, the guy knows practically everybody in Hollywood. Yeah. You know, and uh, and and his artwork. Who would have guessed Alec Baldwin, who was just in the news, not for any uh, anything that I think he wants to be in the news for? Did you hear about that? He got rushed to the hospital. Yeah, that's too bad. Yeah, I'm sorry I, to hear that. I think it was a false alarm or whatever. But uh, he's the largest uh, owner of Teddy Haggerty Originals. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, Teddy's an unassuming, uh, down to earth, just regular guy for all the connections and things he's done in his life. He's just. Uh, 
you know, salt of the earth type of guy. Yeah, unbelievable. We want to thank uh, Mike O'Neill, our buddy, uh, who has his uh, radio program over at KGHP and also has great CDs out uh, for introducing us to uh, Mr. Haggerty. But, hey, it's time for birthdays yeah this is a big week for birthdays man oh there's lots of february birthdays we're just uh, scratching the surface in I fact think was, oh go ahead sorry oh, i was just gonna say i think that all the uh, february birthdays that's uh, at the height of uh, spring fever back in may <laughs> when all the moms and dads are you know getting busy getting frisky yeah well our first one and of course these are the birthdays of the living and um you know, you see these guys walking around. Who knows? You might pat them on the back, uh, tell them happy birthday. This first birthday actually went to school with Teddy Haggerty. They went to uh, what was the name of the college? Evergreen. 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 Yeah. State. So these are he's a fellow gooey duck, born on the fifteenth in nineteen fifty four. Matt Graining. Yeah. He's gonna be fifty five. Mister uh, Simpson himself. Uh, you know, he's the king of uh, king of the. Of the TV, man. I mean, everything's about him. Yeah, if you see Matt, go up to him and say, I'm Joe Kane. Who the hell are you? <laughs> <laughs> Tell him, don't have a cow, man. It's just one more year. That's right. Cowabunga. Uh, all right. Well, also, uh, well, born on the 17th in 1963, his heiress, the, uh, the, the big master of the round ball, going to be 46. That's Michael Jordan. Yeah. At one point, and I don't know if it's still true, he was the most recognizable figure in the world. Yes. Uh, also, born this week on the 20th, 1963, the big round mound of rebound himself. <laughs> The guy who has the funkiest golf swing known to mankind, Charles Barkley, will be 46. Yeah, Charles. Charles said that Michael wouldn't even play with him anymore. Play golf? Yeah. Who would play golf with him, man? I'd play golf with Charles. <laughs> yeah, I would too, maybe because he'd buy some. Yeah. <laughs> All right, well, let's uh, take a trip over to the other side. Yes. Well, we always have to go to the birthdays from beyond. And we start off with a guy that is a comedic genius, greatly missed, uh, the great Chris Farley. February 15, 64, would have been 45 years old. Yeah, let's play some Chris Farley right now. Get it started. Your father and I came up with a brilliant idea to give you kids some direction. A motivational speaker. Okay. His name is Matt Foley, and I am a motivational speaker. Now, he's been down in the basement drinking coffee for about the last six hours. I think he's ready. I'll, I'll call him up. Hey, Matt, we're ready for you. Thanks, Dad. I'll take it from here. <laughs> That's uh, that's the uh, the comic genius himself, Chris Farley. Man. Oh yeah, just great stuff. And you can't ever forget him with Swayze doing no. the Chippendales. That was perfect, man. <laughs> oh, and when he did his news thing, where he's like, "I may smell bad, <laughs> I may not have perfect hygiene, <laughs> I might sweat a lot." <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that was good stuff. Oh, All right, right well. On February 16, 1909, one of the great television dads of all time was born. Uh, he would be 100 years old, and that's uh, that's Beavers and Wally's dad, 
Hugh Beaumont. Yeah, and what kid didn't want him to be their dad? That's right, Mr. Cleaver. Mr. Cleaver. <laughs> Beaver, wait till your dad gets home. That's right, give him the heart-to-heart -heart talks with the boys. I never saw him spank him either. And, and telling Mrs. Cleaver that he didn't trust Eddie Haskell. Yeah. <laughs> All right, what's next? Okay, on uh, the 20th of February, 1967, of course, a uh, Seattle music legend uh, ended his life at 42 years old, Kurt Cobain of Nir Nirvana. Yes. Where's Charles Cross when you need him? Yes. Should have had him in to talk about this stuff. That's right. What uh, He did the, uh, what, lighter than... Uh, or heavier than heaven, or yeah, he's done a lot of work on. They wrote the books about Nirvana. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. All, All right. right, well, that is birthdays from beyond. Well, thank for you, this week. Big Joe. We appreciate that and your dedication from the Great White North. That's right. I had to put down my Molsons for a second. <laughs> yeah, pull your uh, pull your flaps back from your toque so you can hear. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's go into our next guest this week, and this gal is an absolute sweetheart and quite the singer-songwriter. She's out of Puyallup, but she grew up in Parkland, and uh, her latest album is called The uh, Dance of Love. Her name is Kristen Connell. We had her in the studio. We talked to her a little bit. And we're going to play a few of her tunes. This is Kristen Connell. All right, everybody. We are in the studio today with a special guest. She's a very busy lady, a uh, very talented lady. She is uh, Kristen Connell. Latest CD is Dance of Love. It's a wonderful CD. We're going to be playing some tracks off of that. Kristen, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's very... This, uh, this CD, now, this is your second CD. Is that correct? Yep. And um, how long did it take for you to uh, work on this to get this to completion? Too long. <laughs> uh, let's see. I mean, from the writing... From yeah, the from, the, from the, the writing from the conception or? to where you actually had it printed and you were ready to, to ship it out. Well, I kind of it was a really long process and I, I wrote a lot of it either by myself or with my co-writer Tim McHugh and he lives up in Kirkland. So we we have a writing date either Monday nights or Tuesday nights and we finished up all the songs and then I had a buddy move back from uh, California that was working in his studio there and he started his own studio here and it was about five minutes from my house, which was great. And that's always nice. And we just worked. We kind of turtle pasted. I think it took a little over a year. Wow. Maybe a year and a half. Yeah. Well, that. but you know, for I mean, it's it came out great. The quality is, yeah. is it's beautiful packaging and the quality of the music and everything is stellar. Now let's go back. Uh, you're a you're a Northwest girl, correct? Yep. So tell us about where you grew up and, and uh, your recollection and your memories of growing up in this area. Grew up in Parkland and uh, kind of on the... I guess I'd be east side of Pacific Avenue across from PLU. I don't, I played sports growing up, didn't play a lot of music until junior high. And then I kind of started playing in this boy band and we would play like Guns N' Roses and <laughs> crazy things on electric guitars. And his mom was a teacher and we would have all of our amps on 10. And she would, his, both of his parents were teachers and she would come in and say, that just sounds so lovely. And we would just like, the, we had a bass player who was uh left-handed playing a right-handed bass so he would pay, play all the bass lines backwards and we were <laughs> it was pretty crazy and then i bought my first acoustic guitar in high school and that was pretty much when i just kind of fell in love with 
uh, Carol King, James Taylor, J- uh, Jackson Brown, you know, kind of singer songwriters from the seventies, really quality music. That's, uh, that's quite a, uh, right turn from Guns N' Roses. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so now when you're playing in this, uh, this band, were you taking music at school? Did you take lessons, uh, private lessons or? I took piano lessons when I was in, um, second grade and I, I took them for about six months and then I begged my mom to quit because I would rather play baseball. And so I did that. <laughs> and then everything else is pretty much self-taught. I took, after I'd kind of self-taught myself the guitar for a while, um, I think when I was maybe about 22, I took a few jazz lessons, but that didn't last long either. <laughs> So. Well, for being self-taught, it's amazing. And uh, let's go into one of the tracks off of uh, Kristen's album. This is Dance of Love. The name of the song is Choo Choo. I'm in a little train that could A little old-fashioned, but I think I would Like to take you on a midnight ride Little clang, clang, toot-toot I'm your choo-choo of love I'm your little train that could Well, fuel the fire, there's plenty of wood Taking no stops along the way Clang, clang, toot-toot I'm your choo-choo of love You can be my Mr. Railway Man Wanna hear you say, baby, I think I can Rumble down the open track All right, and that is Choo Choo off of the CD Dance of Love. I said album earlier because that dates me. Does that date me a little bit? <laughs> I still call them albums. I know, and we still or have records. Rec- we still have record stores. Right. So anyway, our guest is Kristen Connell, and that is Choo Choo. Uh, now, Kristen, um, you stay pretty busy. You're a mother of two, and you uh, you have a husband, and he's uh, is he a, he's a farmer? Is that correct? Or works yeah, works yeah. with flowers and stuff? Dahlia farmer. Dahlia farmer and. Uh, doing gigs and everything how do you keep that together how do you juggle all of those plates I sometimes i don't do it very well <laughs> but um i don't know just scheduling <laughs> scheduling scheduling and more scheduling. because you're your own promoter you're your yeah. own um i, I guess uh, agent that's why i don't gig too much because yeah. booking it takes a lot of work and a lot of time and so I just don't. Well, name some of the places that you've played uh, locally and some of your favorite places to play right now. I play uh, uh, every other Tuesday night at a place called Grand Crew in Bellevue. And it's a a newer wine bar, and it's really nice. I like that gig. It's a good gig. And I I don't know if I'll be at the HG regularly, but I just played there on Friday night. Mm -hmm. And that's in Puyallup, and so that's nice and close. And E9, I'm generally there once a month. If I call Craig timely and we get our dates <laughs> dates in line. But yeah, um, I play the Lavender Festival every year and every once in a while I'll be up at the tractor and uh, Ballard. Or, oh, that's a great yeah, spot. That's, uh, the last time I played there was in August of 09. I get I get there maybe once or twice a you year. You like playing the tractor? I opened for a guy named Monty Montgomery up there and it was it was incredible. That's like 
They got a great sound system and great crowd that comes out. And it's one of my favorite spots mm-hmm. to actually go see a band yep, play. Definitely. And uh, so, yeah, so you stay busy mm-hmm. and uh, you... Now, where can people find the CD? Where where can people, if they're looking to buy the CD? CD Baby. Mm-hmm. or And right now it's in the process of getting into iTunes, but it's it takes a while. And so... Is, is, it, in any, is it like a Rocket Records or anything? Uh, no, just, just online. CD Baby and off and of your off site. off of my website. And yeah. your site is uh, www.kristenconnell.com yep. and uh, well let's go into another uh, tune off of the CD this is called Till the Wheels Fall Off And that is Till the Wheels Fall Off, off of the album Dance of Love. Our guest is Kristen Connell, lovely singer from Puyallup and from the Northwest. She stays busy. She's a mom and she's a wife and she is a uh, singer-songwriter. Now, you mentioned some of your influences earlier. And uh, who are you listening to these days? Um, Let's see what's in my CD player. Uh, Barney, yeah, uh, <laughs> Dora the Explorer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, my kids—they uh, love Elvis. Really? Yeah. My oh. husband tortures me with Kixie and Elvis. Uh, he's old school. Huh? He, he likes the old school stuff, but me—I'm—I'm I'm more like Lucinda Williams, kind of that alt country stuff. You know, mm-hmm. um, Johnny Cash. If it's gonna be, you know, like country, it's got to be the old stuff. Yeah, he's got and a birthday. Willie Nelson and. Uh, Let's see. I do listen to like progressive stuff too, you know, like Nor Jones, and mm-hmm. I kind of listen to everything. So, right. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because you have a very Americana feel in your music, and uh, just a little red dirt kind of country mm-hmm. uh, flavor. And uh, d- did you grow up listening? To that? Or did your folks listen to that, or is that something you just you touched your soul and and you you found your way into it, or how did that come about? Yeah, I didn't grow up listening to anything like that. So I I just have an affinity for acoustic guitars and rural farm life. So I think I don't know. (laughs) It's kind of, I I really honestly just grew up listening to like, like singer songwriters and, you know, some classic rock and stuff though, Mm -hmm. too. You know, like it was funny. I was just telling somebody I needed to learn a cover the ACDC. You shook me all night long because that's kind of like my roots too. That was, you know, so. Yeah. Well, know. and now uh, you've opened for uh, some fairly big names. I was looking on your website, uh, Jill Sobel. I played. I played a festival with her. Yeah, and she's amazing. So, and Hal Ketchum was probably the biggest. Hal so Ketchum. Yeah, I saw that. What did you get to meet Hal? Talk yeah, we hung out. It was cool. Yeah, that would be cool. It was. They were crazy. Is that a little surreal? You know, it's like. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. They were kind of crazy. Them really? and the band. Yeah. Well, do tell. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I just. It was at the triple door and in the green room. I, you know, like. 
they were just all so cool, and I got to hang out with them before right. and after the show. But after the show, I think they emptied they emptied a, a it, couple cases. Yeah, and, and it was the, I felt bad for whoever was cleaning up the green room because <laughs> it was just a mess. So this was at the Triple Door. Yeah, that's another nice spot. It is. I've been there a handful of times. And that have was, you? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I, I've only been there once. I went and saw Dick Dale there, mm-hmm. and uh, the way they have that place set up yeah. with the. Um, it's kind of like a Vegas old old school Vegas show lounge. Yep. With the uh, the half moon seats mm-hmm. uh, and the tables, it's kind of yeah. like a dinner club type thing. It is, and it's. I used to do. I've been on the main stage just like two or three times, but I used to play their bar out front. Oh yeah. Um, monthly, and then because of the economy, they cut the Wednesday and Thursday happy hours, and I used to do their Wednesday happy Stinkin hour. Stinking economy. Yeah, no. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. let's uh, let's listen to another song off of the CD, and this is a. Uh, tell me a little bit about this song. Uh, this is a song about. Uh, if I'm reading this right, this is where you wrote it about sending your son off to kindergarten, kindergarten, but you mm-hmm. parlayed it into parents, mothers sending their sons off to war. Yeah. And is uh, how did that how did that transition come about? That's an interesting. Uh... Um, it was the first time I had written anything in Dad Gad, which is a tuning on my guitar, and and a lot of times I'll just start by singing a line, mm-hmm. and that was the first line that I had. I sang. That's kind of how my creative process works. And I just sang, "Mamas, keep your boys at home. There's a war going on." And it was more. I mean, it's it has to do with just like I don't know, the world's a mess and the fear of sending your kids where you have safety at home and then sending them out into the world and kind of they're like exposed exposed to a lot more. And it's it is like you know mothers sending their kids off to yeah Iraq or all right. Well, let's listen to this. Is called the Well. It's a beautiful song. is a gorgeous song the title is the well it's off the cd dance of love our special guest today is Kristen connell now Kristen, uh sounds like you play as much as you can i'm, I'm curious how do you keep your uh what do you do for your your voice how do you keep your voice you know strong in tune i mean is it ever is that a struggle you yelling at the kids yelling at the husband <laughs> singing practicing and then all these things how you got any special uh tools you use uh black licorice <laughs> is that the key? And yeah, that's actually really great for your pipes and really? uh mm-hmm, lemon ginger tea. There was a point though, I think last mm-hmm, I'm going to say it was around Easter where I was singing so much and I had gotten sick mm-hmm. um that I lost my voice for about uh 3 months. I didn't gig at all. I had a few gigs actually and I didn't lose it completely, but the right side of my vocal cords all s- swelled up and I had to see a specialist and I couldn't talk for like two weeks. I had to carry around a dry eraser board. And so now I'm particularly careful um, about like even Friday night I had a gig and it was a two and a half hour gig, which isn't a ton of singing, but 
I had had a really long week and I was really exhausted by the time that I got to the gig. And so even like afterwards, people want to talk to me and I have to just, and a lot of times it's loud environments. Mm -hmm. And so I'm talking louder than normal. And so I just have to pace myself and know when to say no. Like, okay, I really just cannot sing, you know, and so... It's hard. Is there a particular style that you find? I mean, you're more softer versions. uh, They take more out of you, or is it the harder driving songs? You know, like the choo choo song or something. You know that really that really doesn't bother my voice at all. If I am not tired and I've taken care of my voice until then, Um, but if I do a lot of those in a row, yeah, yeah. All right. Well. The name of the CD is Dance of Love, and uh, the artist, our guest today, is Kristen Connell. I can't recommend this CD enough. And you can get it off of her website, www.kristenconnell.com. It's also available on CD Baby. And uh, before we let you go, we have to give you the Big Ten. These are ten quick questions. <laughs> you guys didn't tell me about this when you called me in. <laughs> I know this is all we have to have this a surprise. Is trickery. This is the trickery. This is the flim flammery of our show. Uh, because you're a Northwest girl, and we like to, uh, you know, we like to get to know our Northwest neighbors and uh, find out, uh, you know, a little bit about them. And people find out can know a little bit more about you. And, and we really thank you for coming in. Uh, let's go. Your favorite food. Black licorice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, what kind of car are you driving? An expedition. Oh, very nice. It's a mom mobile. Yes, it is. Well, it's better than the minivan. Yeah. Uh, your favorite team? The Seahawks. No, I take that back. The Mariners. I'm more of a baseball more fan. More of a baseball fan. Okay. Yeah. What was your first paying job? Hallmark. At the Hallmark store? Yeah. You weren't making cards. Um, you have lovely pros. You could write some cards. <laughs> I don't know. Was that my first job? First legitimate job away from my family because yeah. I'm in family business. Right. Yeah. You work for your parents. Okay. That's right. um, so this is uh, this will be an issue when you guys, you guys kind of around a farm. So what's your favorite tool? I like to drive the tractor, but I don't get to very much. My husband makes me be the laborer, which isn't really fair. <laughs> That's not right. I know. Uh, okay. The first CD or album that you ever bought? I don't remember. It was. I don't remember. It's probably Carol King Tapestry. There you go. Not bad. Close. One of those. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, uh, and what year? What year were you buying your first CD? Because Carol, that tapestry goes back. That was before. Yeah, but I was like kind of throwback. Okay. I mean, that was way before my time. Old, old yeah. soul. Yeah. Okay. Uh, for you right now, what is a can't miss TV show? Hi, I've been missing all my favorite shows lately, so I don't know. How to get a DVR? Um, the The Good Wife. <laughs> The Good Wife. I like oh, that, that show. A it's a show. good show. Because yeah. I used to watch ER and Juliana Margulies. Is, okay, yeah. yeah. See, my, my I didn't know much about it. My wife turned me on to that. Yeah. And it has Chris Noth in it. Yep, I can't, like him Can't too. go wrong with yep. that. Uh, what is the uh, last movie you saw? Um, what is it? I don't, we don't see movies very often. Or your favorite, Julie favorite and Julia. Oh, we saw that on okay. demand, yeah. Very good. Uh, outside of your own, what's the last concert you attended? A Fine Frenzy. Have you heard of them? I have not heard of them. They're out of L.A. They're, uh, they're a little group of musicians and kind of led by this girl named, I forget what her last name is, Allison something, and they're they're really good. Where kinda. And where did you see them? Up at Numos. Okay, yeah, I haven't heard of them. Uh, your favorite drink? Let's see. Uh, probably a, a Fire Engine Red from E9. Yes. Mm-hmm. Hey, and dang, nice plug for the E9. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, and the last of our Big Ten, what would be your favorite place in the Northwest? 
Black Butte, does that count? Yes, absolutely. Black Butte. And Sisters what do you like? Oregon. My uncle has a house there that we go to twice a year usually, okay. and it's a uh, very peaceful. And that's that's great. Yeah, because yeah. like uh, we asked Ichabod Kane that, and it was his sunroom at his house. Yeah. You know, in West Seattle. So yeah. everybody has their own favorite spot in the Northwest, and Oregon is certainly. Uh, we consider BC all the way down. So, all right, Kristen, we want to thank you so much for coming in. Any uh, any last words? Any anything else you'd like to add? Nope. Thanks for having me. <laughs> uh, a pleasure. Hopefully, we can catch up. Oh, real quick, yeah. are you going to be working on? Uh, I know you just came through a grueling process with this CD. Do you have plans for another one? I don't know. I haven't even thought that. If far. we say please, <laughs> I, I was thinking. I was thinking I might never make a record again because I'm probably having postpartum record production. You know, like depression the, the downfall right because <laughs> there's like so much work to do for yeah. this one and i have like you know 800 more sitting in my closet and so when those get sold i'll probably think about another one well we certainly hope so we've we've enjoyed the two you put out and uh keep doing what you're doing and uh anytime you want to check in you know give us a call we'd love to have you back on everybody Kristen connell go to her website www.kristenconnell.com buy the cd off of the website or CD Baby. Thanks, Kristen. Cool. Thanks. All right. Kristen Connell, and I encourage all of you to go to her website, which is www.kristenconnell.com, and uh, buy a copy of that CD. It's also on CD Baby. She's a really nice uh, person and very talented. There's lots of different styles of songs on there, and uh, we hope she comes out with another album uh, here eventually. And it was a pleasure to have her in. I hope we can have her back. So uh, before we get out of here, because uh, it's about that time, we have to go to This Week in Rock. Yeah, this is a big one for this week. And this guy, I'll tell you, you go back and listen to the old ACDC, and uh, he was a lot of that band. He gave him some big swagger. He gave him the voice. Well, on February 20th, 1980, we're talking about ACDC singer Bon Scott. He was pronounced D-O-A. Uh, double D, you know what that means? <laughs> yes. D- uh, dumb on arrival. <laughs> yeah, that's about right. That's uh, at a London hospital. Every time Double D shows up, he's D-O-A. <laughs> yeah, I am. After I a heavy night's drinking. Yeah, duh. <laughs> uh, Scott was found in the passenger seat of a friend's parked car. And the official coroner's report said that he had drunk himself to death. Yeah, obviously. Um, and then, of course, the classic rock and, rock and roll way to go after suffocating on his own vomit. Beautiful. Yeah, and the unofficial uh, coroner's report said that he effed up big time. <laughs> that's on the official document? No, that's the unofficial coroner's oh, the report. Unofficial. Oh, I was going to say, <laughs> I'd love a copy of that. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, you, you won't know, be they... able to Google that. Uh, that's only in the Joe archive. Yeah, that's the Rockter J with his uh, unofficial take on the whole s- situation <laughs> and flim flammery of the matter. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks again, uh, Big Joe, for, uh, you know, your dedication and coming to us from the uh, the Winter Olympic Games. I know you had to take some time out there and uh, from playing the fort for the U.S. Uh, snowball team. That's right. Well, <laughs> we're wearing the red, white, and blue up here proudly, and uh, um, they're being pretty tolerant. So uh, as long as you keep uh, buying them beers and, and uh jellies they're good (laughs) 
Yeah, make sure you keep the jellies and the curlers going, eh? <laughs> yeah, and then, they, then we have a peace treaty. <laughs> I think that's where the big spliff comes into play. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, well, let me tell you, uh, everybody out there, about some things that are coming up on our program here. We have um, scheduled next week, we have Vicky Martinez, uh, who is just like, what a great soulful voice she has and she is just a dynamo also a comedian who is absolutely on fire right now alicia wood and she is getting all dressed up and uh, primped up for prime time she's going to check in and then coming up in the weeks ahead we've got chip hanauer is going to come on we're still working with uh, the whalers and the ventures to get them in here dudley taft uh, Charlie Land, local uh, radio guy right here in Tacoma. We've got the uh, the whole Bolivian Army is going to come in here. <laughs> <laughs> right. uh, the Beat Seed. We've got Voxy Vallejo. We, lots of people are lining up to come in on the uh, Northwest Convergence Zone, and those are in some shows that are coming up over the next um, month or whatever. And also, I want to I want to direct your attention really quickly. To something that's happening on Monday, the 15th, that's President's Day. Now, if you're listening to, to our program in the middle of the week, it's already happened. But there's a station here in Tacoma that is launching on Monday, and it is launching 24-hour live streaming on the Internet. It's Tacoma.fm. And it's about time. We need more of this. And that's why I'm letting you know about Tacoma.fm. They are going to uh, have uh, disc jockeys. They're going to have uh, talk shows. And it's all, it's all about Tacoma and the South Sound. And Do disc jockeys ride horses? They ride records. <laughs> I don't around understand. Yeah, around the turntable. Around the turntable? Yes. So the, uh, they're going to have personalities. And we need more of that. Yeah. We need uh, we need TV stations. Tacoma needs some identity. We got to stop relying on Seattle to uh, to feed us the information. We got a lot going on here. We have a lot of talent, and we have a, there's a lot of news that goes on here that gets completely ignored. Well, the, Bring Seattle does give us a lot of news, a lot of you know hype about every time somebody gets shot, yes. something bad happens. They right. like to that's make us only, look bad. That's the only time so they, they come down good. here. That's the only time they ever look. Watch on the news. That's right, and we're just as big as Spokane, and Spokane has all its own radio stations, all of its own uh, network TV and local programming, and Tacoma... We need that. And so Tacoma.fm is starting. I hope you go check them out. And I know they have aspirations uh, at some point to be broadcasting on the air. I say bring back Brakeman Bill and Crazy Donkey. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, you know, we were talking to Ichabod Kane uh, not too long ago about putting it together a station that had him and Crow and uh, Maynard and all those guys. Maybe this will be the launch of something yeah, like that. Yeah, Superstar Radio. Yes, we need that here. and It will be all ours here right here in Tacoma. So That would be good. Check that out, Tacoma.fm. And we want to thank everybody for tuning in this week to the Northwest Convergence Zone show. It's been a pleasure. We hope you'll check back often. Tell your friends about it. We thank you for all the kind words and the emails and everything. Next week, scheduled guest Vicky Martinez and Alicia Wood. I want to th say uh, goodbye for Squeeze and for Wonder Boy and Big Joe. Have a good time up there. All right. Uh, if I have to call you and uh, uh, I'm detained at the border, I'll be there. Answer the phone. My wife well, I've had, got a bail bondsman. My wife has use. a Nexus card. We'll be there in a flash. All right. Good. All right. Well, this is Big D, and this has been the Northwest Convergence Zone Show.
where all things come together. We're out of here. You can say goodbye, Double D. Goodbye. 